In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Jared Saltalamacchia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Another Baseball Isn't Boring extravaganza. I'm your host, Courtney Finnecombe, and I am absolutely honored to have the two-time World Series champion, three-time AL Manager of the Year, Terry Francona. Tito, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good, Courtney. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, it is a pleasure. I've been I've been wanting to get you on for a while, and what a better way to kick off spring training than to have someone that has been in this league a long time that is now kind of retired, right? I mean, do you consider this a retirement? Are you officially retired? Yeah, it's, it's not kind of. It's, uh, it's, it's retired. I mean, I mean, I'm still a consultant with the Guardians, but for all intents and purposes, you know, I think my managing days are over. I just, it's just, you know, things that I think you need to do to be good at the job were becoming harder and harder. And it, it took me a while to get to that decision last year. But once I came to it, I, I felt a lot, I had a lot more peace with myself. I mean, that is actually a, an, an interesting point because I believe it was Dusty Baker that said something sort of similar, that the grind of everyday season and everyday baseball, it just became too much. Is that sort of what was what you were experiencing as well? Just It was just becoming more of a grind and just not as fun as it used to be? I mean, what, what was your main factors in going into the official retirement? You know, there's some determining factors in there. One was my health. You know, the last four or five years, it was just kind of an uphill battle every year. And, and that, that kind of help takes away some of the fun. Um, I still love the people. I mean, the people I worked with in Cleveland, I'll always be fond of. Um, it just, I, again, like I kind of said in my, when I first started trying to do the job right, I think you have to do it a certain way. And I wasn't able to do it to my liking. And I didn't want to just hang around for the wrong reasons. And, you know, last year around June, I was really thinking about it a lot. And it got to the point where I was kind of mad at myself. I'm like, okay, you in, you out, like, you know, make up your mind. And then about the middle of August, when I told my bosses how I felt, it felt like the weight of the world had come off my shoulders and I felt better. I mean, that right there tells you, right? That right there is what you got to always trust your gut. I'm very big on that. And you've done pretty much everything that you pretty much could do as a manager in this league. I mean, two-time World Series champion, three-time AL Manager of the Year. I mean, that is incredibly impressive. I mean, there are guys who are great managers who don't even get to a World Series. So the fact that you've accomplished all of this, 
is, is, you know, you know that you've done pretty much everything you could in this game. And that's huge. And I know, you know, how fortunate I am. I mean, a lot of guys get one chance and if it doesn't work, they don't ever get another chance. And, you know, I got beat up in Philly pretty good early on, but I was fortunate enough to get another chance and with a team that was ready to win. And so, and I know that, you know, again, I, I appreciate all the, the nice things people say, but it, it's, it, it, you sometimes you just got to have a little bit of luck on your side too. You know, I always like to say it's better sometimes to be lucky than to be good. Right. So that's, that yeah. is, it is the truth. And especially in baseball. Right. So be um, lucky good. Then you really got something going. There you go. Exactly. You know, I'm very big on putting like slogans on t-shirts. I might have to steal that. Cause that's, that's pretty, that's pretty good. Um, let's fast forward to now what Cleveland's doing now. So they've hired Stephen Vogt. Did you have, are you part of that process? You said you're sort of doing some consulting with Cleveland now. Were you part of the interview process with Stephen Vogt? Or is that, was that something that you oversaw? No, and it was by design. Um, around the middle of August, like I said, when I was telling my bosses, the reason I told them then is, and I told them, I said, guys, you've been so good to me. I've been here 11 years. Go find your next guy. And you don't need to tiptoe around me. It's not like you're firing me and, you know, I'm not, I'm not dying. I'm not, I just was tired. And so I think it was comfortable for everybody. And they kind of kept me in the loop. But I also told them I really didn't need to be part of it because I have my own ideas. And for 11 years, those ideas were what we did. And I just thought, in fairness to them, they need to have free reign to get the guy they want to get. And I thought they did a great job. I um, I don't pretend to know Stephen great, but what I do know of him, I really like, and I think he's going to do just fine. So do you put any emphasis on the fact that, you know, a guy has been hired as manager that doesn't have as much experience as maybe a few others, obviously. I mean, that was always a big thing was you wanted to always grab someone that was super experienced. Now there are guys getting shots, coaching managers that really don't have any experience. Did you put any emphasis on that? Do you feel like that that matters now or, or how, what's your opinion on that? Well, I think for everybody, it's probably different. Um, I know the game's changed a lot. And with that, you see a lot more people being hired, you know, that don't have maybe some of the experiences that some of us had. I know myself, I, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Um, I went back all the way to rookie ball and started as a hitting instructor. And I got to to make mistakes that weren't necessarily on Sports Center. And you got to learn how you felt about things. And it, for me, it was really valuable. And I learned so much. Um, other people, they're able to step in and kind of hit the ground running. I just don't think I could have done that. And, and that's a very fair assessment. I mean, I, I honestly, I personally, I'm always a little skeptical of the hires that, you know, a guy that's never even really managed or coached even. But I feel like if you're a catcher in baseball, you have a pretty good head on your shoulders when it comes to knowing the game. So I feel like he has a step up with that. Um, but, you know, time will tell, right? I mean, you've had certainly a, a, a incredible amount of success. And Stephen's young, and I'm sure, you know, he'll, he'll learn on the go. But I'm sure Cleveland did their due diligence in hiring him as well. Yeah, again, I've talked to him a handful of times. And every time I have, I've really enjoyed it. 
and there's a lot of people that I really respect in this game that know him really well and absolutely love him. So, and again, and I've talked to some of the coaches that have, you know, are still there, Carl Willis, and they really think this guy is going to be pretty special. So, I, and again, I, our, my bosses, Chris and Cherney, those guys, they, like you said, they did their due diligence. I think they came up with a really good choice. Oh, I'm sure the fans of Cleveland will be very uh, happy that it gets your stamp of approval, obviously. Um, but, you know, here we are. We're already at the end of February, fast approaching the, the season, which is hard to believe. Um, we're in the middle of spring training. I just got back from Arizona personally. It was great as always. Um, are you missing that part of it? I mean, spring training is always kind of a more of a laid back experience, right? Um, are you missing just kind of, you know, hanging with the guys, vibing with the team? Is there any part of you that wishes you were still experiencing that? And maybe you are experiencing that. Do you have any plans to shoot over to to Goodyear uh, during during this last month of spring training? You know, I think at some point I'll head up there. I really want to be fair to the new staff, the new manager and the coaches and let them get settled. And, you know, they don't need me looking over their shoulder. But at some point I would like to go up and see everybody. As far as missing it, you know, I, I mean, I, like I said, I love the people and like, and like you just said, spring training is such a fun time because when you lose, it doesn't keep you up at night. You know, if, if something goes well during the day, you can kind of hang your hat on that. And then you have like the NCAA basketball tournament. I mean, it's just a fun time of year. Um, so I, I definitely miss the, the fun of like sitting around in the morning with the coaches and having a cup of coffee and laughing. Um, but as far as the baseball goes, it, it was time. So although, like, like I said, I watched today, I was watching the Dodgers play the White Sox, and I enjoyed that. But I don't feel the yearning like, oh, man, I, I made a mistake or something like that. I, I think the timing was pretty good. And, and I and I would agree. And like I said, and like you said, you felt it. You know, you knew you the weight was lifted off your shoulders. So you knew right there that that was the right decision. Now you yeah. mentioned that you were you were watching a spring training game, my my lovely White Sox versus Otani. Um, do you find yourself now this year, now that you can just sort of kick back and relax, are you going to be watching baseball every single day? I mean, what are you going to kind of remove yourself? I mean, what's what's the plan looking like as far as Terry Francona the fan? You know, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if I end up watching more baseball than I have for the last couple, you know, couple of years, just because I don't have to, and and I enjoy it. So it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if I actually watch more baseball now than I did before. I, I think, <laughs> I you know, I, when you know that there's no pressure on you for wins and losses. Makes the, whole, the the viewing experience a little bit more enjoyable. That is yes. for certain. Um, now, you, I just saw, you know, I'm a Chicagoan, as you know, and I, I just saw that you did a special, I believe it was on MLB Network, with the great Joe Madden, who has been on our show, Baseballs and Boring, a few times. Um, walk me through a little bit about what that was like. You were um, doing, kind of reviewing the 2016 World Series. Is, is that what it was? That's, that's very cool. It was game seven of the 2016 World Series. Um, I was back in New York for the New York Sports Writers Banquet. So I went into the MLB studios and Bob Costas and uh, Tom Verducci and Joe and myself did it. And, uh, you know, it would have been more fun if we'd have won. 
but it was a yes, really <laughs> And they did, a, they did a really good job. And it was a fascinating game. So many things happened. But I admit it would have been a lot more fun if I'd have been in Joe's shoes. I mean, are you in an agreement with me that Mother Nature was really the MVP of Game 7? Do you feel this way? <laughs> no, you know, I really don't. I've heard that a lot. Um, you know, I, I really don't. I, I give the Cubs credit. I think lesser teams would have lost, you know, when we came back like that and everything. Now, maybe they had a few minutes to regroup. I don't know. But, you know, we had Brian Shaw in as a pitcher. And at the time, I didn't think there was anybody better to handle a situation like that. And it wasn't like it was an hour. It was 15, 16 minutes. Um, they just came out and kind of took it to us. And, you know, we were, we were a little – you know, we were so beat up at that point, especially with our pitching staff, that it finally kind of caught up to us. And, you know, we ask a lot of those guys like Andrew Miller and Cody, Cody Allen and Brian Shaw. Man, we leaned on those guys so much. Uh, Corey Kluber had pitched on three days rest, what, three times. I mean, that, that's a lot to ask. And, and and I and I agree. And I, I don't want to certainly don't. Yeah, I'm a little biased as a White Sox girl, but. Cubs had a hell of a series. They did. Um, you know, Joe Madden managed a hell of a game, hell of a series. Um, but, you know, biasly, I'd like to see it. I would have liked to have seen you win your your uh, third your, your, your third World Series ring there. That is for certain. That is for certain. Um, moving forward, what is what are your plans this this, you know, now that you are officially retired? Are there plans to, you know, kind of just kick back or what what are you thinking about? Well, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what those plans are. Some I, I really don't know, but it doesn't really scare me. Um, you know, after the last season, um, I had my shoulder replaced. So that's been about four months. And that's that that takes a little while to kind of get going again. So I'm looking forward to, to getting healthy. I've tried to lose some weight. It's a little easier for me to do that away from the ballpark when you're not at midnight and, you know, have a little healthier habits. Um, but I want to golf. I want to swim. You know, I want to travel a little bit. You know, I mean, everybody probably says, well, you travel in baseball, but in baseball, you go from the airport to the ballpark to the yep. hotel. And, you know, so this, you know, I'm just looking forward to doing some things that I haven't done. Had the grandkids out here for about a week. And, you know, that was something I couldn't do before. So things like that, just, just kind of, I'll see what comes and, see what I want to do, see what I do miss, and then make adjustments. Now, your health, like you said, was always a, a you know, an issue with, with your management. How, how are you looking now? You said you've lost some weights. Um, you've done some, some work. How, how are you feeling overall? You know, what happened about the last four or five years, it seemed like I always rehabbed during the winter, trying to get ready for a season. And it was a number of things. And now with the season not hanging over me, I have gotten pretty healthy, but now I'm not going to go get beat up and, you know, going through a long season. So I'm hopeful that I'm trending in the right direction. And for once, I won't have to have another surgery. Let's kind of keep our fingers crossed. My fingers are always crossed for that. Your health is number one. And now that you can really focus on it, like you said, away from the ballpark. Um, you've had, like I said, like we've talked about, you've had a hell of a career. Besides the World Series uh, wins, is there anything else that's been just a huge highlight for you in your career, maybe a development of players or just a special moment for you that that was a top moment in your career? 
you know, this might come as a surprise, but one of the best moments, most proud I've ever been was before the 2016 playoffs started. We got together with the players and the organization and we started the Larry Doby fund. In fact, yes. I, in fact, I have Larry's shirt on today. Love um, um, and we raised a million dollars in a hurry for underserved youth in Cleveland and getting players. I think we did it in like two and a half days and we got ownership and we got every player, every clubhouse guy, every baseball ops person. And when we were able to do that, it was by far the proudest moment in my baseball career. And I, I, it just, I don't know if there's another team that we could have done that with, but I was so proud of those guys for doing that. That is incredible. You know, I shockingly, I've never really heard that story before. Was that well publicized? It absolutely should have been. Uh, you know what, Courtney, and it's funny because when we did it, I wanted to kind of put out there like a challenge to other teams. And I thought it would really be a good, good for baseball. And MLB kind of put the kibosh on that mm. because of some of the things they have going. And I was a little disappointed with that. So it kind of went under the radar a little bit. But in Cleveland and in our clubhouse, it was very meaningful. No, that is that is great. And I'm glad that you're calling it out now because that is a very special moment. And you're calling it that one of the most special moments in your career does obviously mean something. So I always personally, I always personally like to kind of jump in the mind of a manager and just see kind of how you guys tick and how you think. We talked about one of your, you know, highlights of your career. What was a low moment in your career that you just kind of kept you up at night or drove yourself, so drove you crazy or made you want to have an extra martini at the hotel bar? What was a, what was a moment in your career where you wish maybe you could have had that back? I don't know about wishing I could have it back. You know, in Philadelphia, I got hired. Shoot, I think I was 36 years old. Mm. And I knew I was learning on the run. Um, and we weren't expected to be very good. That's probably why they hired me. And I knew that. But it was still difficult. You know, when you when you lose in Philly, it's a hard place to lose. Absolutely. But I <laughs> a lot of valuable lessons. I can't say it was always fun. But I learned a ton. So, you know, everywhere I've been... I've always felt like it was a learning experience. You know, even when I was younger in my playing career and I'd get hurt and I'd have people ask me, they're like, Hey, were you bitter? No, you know what? I, I, I you know, I used to get my knees taped every day on the same table with Andre Dawson, mm. the same exact way. He'd go out and put up a hall of fame career. And I'd go out and sit the bench. He, my point is he found a way to still be productive and I couldn't do that. Yep. But what I did was I, I, I traveled around cause I was what really, you know, I was kind of a journeyman and I watched a lot of managers and coaches and organizations. And I think it served me well for when I got done playing. So who do you, that, that's actually a great segue. Who did you look up to manager wise that sort of formed your your mindset moving forward as a manager? Well, I played for 16 or 17 major league managers. Oof. So that's a lot. That um, is a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is a lot. And, and there were guys that, you know, I mean, I mean, I played for Pete Rose, who I would try to run through that wall for. Yes. And I'm a guy named Buck Rogers, who I was probably the 26th man on a 25-man team. 
but he made me feel important. And I remember mm. thinking, hey, that's that's pretty cool. I mean, Tom Treblehorn in Milwaukee and he, how how organized he was and he made it fun. And so I tried to, you know, Bill Verdon had just, just, he was so unbelievably honest that he, I mean, he'd hit you right in the face with it, but I mean, that there's something to be said for that. So there I tried is. to look at everybody, but I think what I ultimately learned was you got to be true to yourself. And, you know, I played for Dallas Green who could walk into a room like, you know, John Wayne and come <laughs> room i couldn't do that you know you got to be yourself and if you're not players see through that real quick i i could not agree more i could not agree more and walking through the room like john wayne that that just drew brought a big smile to my face so that's a wonderful way to describe someone who well, do you at least know who that is i i brought that up to a group last year and they looked at me like they didn't even know who that was, so that's good. Oh, that's terrible, Tito. I mean, come on, I'm an old soul. I, I know who John Wayne is. Everyone should. <laughs> um, who do you see moving forward in the game now that the game's changed so much? Who do you think is a potential really solid up-and-coming? Who, who's one of your favorite managers in baseball right now? Well, and I'm, I'm biased, and I think yeah. you're spoken when you have friends, but I think Kevin Cash is mm. – you know, so good. I mean, when we hired him in Cleveland, we knew we wouldn't have him very long because he's so good. And he's cemented himself in Tampa and he's going to be there. And he he does a really good job. And, you know, getting to watch him, you know, like I said, I'm obviously biased, but I'm really proud of him. And I, I just, it makes me feel good to see him do so well. You know, guys like, you know, Alex, Cora, guys, that I, Dave Roberts, guys that I was fortunate enough to have as players, you're always going to pull for those guys. Can't help it. Absolutely. As you should. Um, who would you say was, you've obviously managed a ton of guys, ton of guys. Who would you say was your top favorite guys to manage? I don't think you're supposed to have favorites. It's I know you're not. That's a, I, that was a trick question. <laughs> but it's hard. It's hard not to. You know, when it, somebody says something, not to bring up Dustin Bedroy's name, just because he was that special. Um, I tell people all the time when he walked into a room, it's like the lights got a little bit brighter and he had no business being as good as he was, but he willed himself to do that. And what's even and I know this is going to sound cliche, but he was a better person than he was a player. Or if he wasn't, his wife would kick his ass. But, <laughs> My kind so of that, woman. <laughs> that made him really, really special. You know, it's it's amazing you said that because we had Adam Jones on recently, who is, you know, also played the game the right way, uh, class act through and through, very similar to Pedroia. And he actually was fighting for Pedroia to be in the Hall of Fame. Because I believe this is his first, this upcoming year, 2025, will be the first time he's on the ballot. Do you feel like he's got a potential shot of also getting the Hall of Fame, Pedroia? I have zero ability to not be biased in it because <laughs> I, I like him so much. You know, and the way what probably will hurt him is, you know, the lack of longev longevity. Yep. But I mean, you look at his body and you look at the way he played, his legs just got so beat up and and it, it took away his last few years of playing. But Nobody played the game better than him. His approach. I mean, this kid did everything. He's everything you're looking for in a ball player. 
I, we hear that when we do these interviews with so many different baseball people across the board, people absolutely say the exact same thing about Pedroia. That is, that is fantastic. Um, most importantly, Terry, now that you are, you know, chilling out at home, how is the scooter doing? So funny story. You know, I, I lived like two and a half blocks from the ballpark, which is a little too far for me to walk, but you know, I certainly didn't want to drive. So when I first got there, you know, I went and got the scooter and um, the clubhouse kids kind of helped me do it and everything. And I'd drive it in and they'd turn it around and point it out on the way home. And about with about four days left in the season this year, somebody stole it. So it lasted 10 years and almost the 11th year. And then with four days left in the season, it finally got stolen. So I, I'd say it, it, it served its purpose. But I, that is so disappointing that it didn't complete your career with you, though. That is terrible. But, but think about it. I parked it outside for 11 years. I never locked it. And in a place like Cleveland, nobody ever touched it. Nobody messed with it. So I, it's actually pretty remarkable. It actually is. And But it's like they almost like they knew, you know, until they didn't know that, hey, that's, that's Terry Francona's scooter. We can't touch that. We used to put notes on it and stuff. I'd come in in the morning and they'd have notes on it and it used to make me laugh. Most of them made me laugh. I would have been. Well, whoever has Terry Francona's scooter out there, shame on you, first of all, but still pretty, pretty amazing. Almost 11 years. So, I, I mean, honestly, Tito, I don't want to take up a whole much of your time. It's, it's been so wonderful having you on. But I would hate to not talk about your two World Series wins. It is incredible. It's incredible to win one. I mean, 162 game season, all those playoff series, and you've won two. I mean, that's pretty remarkable and that's pretty special. What was your favorite moments from those two World Series? You know, they were so different. And in 04, you know, we had really gotten on a roll the last couple months of the season. And then we beat a really good Angels team and went right through them. And then before we could even like, take a breath we were down 03 to new york which as you know not it can't, in boston that's not a good thing no it's not <laughs> and so the way we came back it's probably kind of apt that you know all the all the close calls they had and all the times they thought they were going to win they didn't when they finally thought we had no chance then we do win so it probably made some sense in the long run um, I've told people those four days, the last four games against the Yankees are the four funnest baseball days of my life. Mm. And then in 07, it was a different group. It was a younger group. It was Papelbon and Jacoby Ellsbury and Pedroia and, and Mike Lowell and, and, and little lower decibel level in the clubhouse, but, but every bit professional and knew how to play the game. And it was just a different atmosphere, but, but every bit as much fun. Do you still keep in touch with a lot of those those guys, those Papal Bonds of the world? I mean, they're, he's another fun, a fan of our, uh, a friend of our broadcast. He's he's on all the time talking about the good old days with Boston. So he's he's he talks about you quite often. How special you were, you know, Courtney. The guys you're around, it's hard not to become really fond of them. I mean, guys like John Lester, I've seen come up from double A. I've seen him beat cancer. I mean, I can remember sitting with his mom and dad having really difficult conversations. And just because either you move on or they move on or somebody retires, 
it doesn't take away any of the of the feelings you have for for guys. Well, I mean, and if you think about it, you guys are together six months out of the year, literally together day in, day out. I mean, it really does become your second family. So you, you I, the stories I'm sure you have and the the fondness for these, not just the players, but their families has to just be remarkable. You know, one of the funnest things for me is, you know, when I'd be sitting in my office and somebody would come in that, like, i give you an example. Like last year, Jason Kipnis came in for a couple days to, to announce because he's taken over for the weekend and he popped his head in and it's like, like your whole day gets better because you're right. These are guys that you spend the majority of your life with, and then all of a sudden they're gone. Yeah. But it doesn't take away how you feel about them. And then when you see them again, like when I see Michael Brantley or Josh Tomlin, there's guys that just, it just makes your day better. And, and that'll never go away. Well, and I remember reading um, a, a great quote from Mike Napoli, who basically called, he basically called you a second father. He's like, you know, Terry Francona, that is my, that is my second father right there. So again, kind of what you said earlier about guys will see through you if you're, if you're phony or if you don't have that it factor as a manager and you clearly did. So that's an incredible testament to who you are. It makes me feel good that, I mean, Nap is, <laughs> Nap, I mean, Nap is one of the closest guys I've ever, and we only had him for one year, right? but I, it was a, shouldn't have been a shock that we kind of overachieved while Knapp was with us because that's just the type of guy he was. He's one of the best teammates I've ever seen. And that, that will, that will never change. Well, and here is Napoli who is now a coach coach with the Chicago Cubs. And I guarantee you, he credits you as trying to kind of emulate if he becomes manager one day to what you did and what you taught him. I guarantee he will. Cause that's well, the kind of guy you are. <laughs> But I, I, I feel the opposite. I feel like I've been so fortunate to have, be around so many good people. I mean, I told, I was telling these guys at the banquet the other night, the one thing I'll brag about is I guarantee I've been around more good people than anybody. Mm. I have the right. And, and I feel that way. And I'm just really fortunate and I've been blessed. Well, and you certainly have. And you are a class act in the baseball world. And you will definitely be missed. I mean, I know for a fact, listen, I watched every single Sox game, fortunately or unfortunately. It won't be the same without you in Cleveland, that's for sure. But we're, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You are a class act. We, uh, Terry, we appreciate your time. You are fantastic. And good luck in retirement. You've earned it. Thanks, Courtney. I sure enjoyed it. I, I still love talking about baseball. So it was kind of a nice little treat today. So thank you so much. Well, we'll have you on again as the season gets going for sure, and we'll I'll we'll we'll, we'll grade we'll, we'll we'll grade Stephen vote together. All right. <laughs>